This is episode 168 of the Coaching for Pastors podcast. Hey, Pastor, it's Tuesday. It's good to be with you. Thank you for joining me today. It was a number of years ago, and we were at this presidential candidates uh, rally, and we had seen the candidate pull up in his vehicles and get out, and it was at a restaurant, so there weren't that many people, and it was somewhat an intimate thing. And I live in Iowa, so we get to see all the presidential candidates, but this one This was a sharp one. This one turned out to be the nominee of the party. You can probably figure out who it is, although I'm not going to say. And uh, this candidate was shaking hands, you know, and getting to know the people just before he was going to speak to everybody inside the restaurant. And I noticed he he was dressed very sharply. He had nice nice dress shoes, but uh, sharp jeans, uh, nice jeans, and then a button-down shirt. And uh, I noticed that in the back, he had missed one of his belt loops. His button-down shirt was tucked into his jeans, and this belt loop got missed. And it was so obvious. It was asymmetrical because <laughs> the belt didn't go into the loop. And it was driving me crazy. Now, I'm not in charge of this guy. I'm not his handler. I'm not his advisor. I'm not his uh, campaign director. And I thought to myself, With all these people around him, nobody told him that he missed a belt loop. It was the very first thing I noticed. It was just screaming out. And nobody said to him, "Uh, hey, uh, governor, uh, before you go out there, let fix your belt loop. And in Tasha Urich's book that I referenced a few days ago, her book Insight, she's got a chapter called The Truth We Rarely Hear. You know, when we get in positions of influence or authority, a lot of people won't tell us a lot of things that we really need to hear. And if we don't set up systems to receive feedback, we are going to be the poorer for that as leaders. We need to hear the things that nobody wants to tell us. And in this book, she talks about the prism metaphor. And she says every time we get a new perspective on our behavior, it helps us to see ourselves in a richer, uh, a more multidimensional way. And we see ourselves not as flat, two-dimensional people, but more of a three or maybe even a 4D type of a person that, that we are put together in ways that we don't even understand. And that's good for us. We're kind of ahead of the curve at that point. We realize there's stuff about ourselves that we don't even know. There are always things about us that we don't know. But in fact, the other day I was in my office and uh, somebody had come to our church and they were going to speak that morning. And so I was uh, briefing them on what the morning was going to look like. And they said to me, did you shave this morning? And I thought, what kind of a question is that? And the person pointed to their ear and I reached up in in the spot on my earlobe I don't know if I had a little dried shaving cream on it or what it was, and and uh, I took it up, and, and they said to me, yeah, I'm not the type of a person that's going to let somebody walk around with a piece of broccoli stuck between their teeth, and I was glad, and uh, I, you know, I don't know if it's the, the tissue that I stick in my ear to dry out the inside of my ear. Maybe a little piece got caught there, but I've noticed that that's happened before, and I always try to look in the mirror. This person... <laughs> 
told me before I went out into the auditorium and had this little tiny thing on my earlobe. We need that from people. We need people to tell us the truth. In fact, Tasha writes in her book about the mum effect. People prefer to withhold the truth when it comes to telling us how they see us. Because we all want to be polite to each other, especially here in the Midwest. We're Midwest nice where I live. And we don't really want to tell people exactly how we see them. We want to tell them how they would like us to see them and how they would like to be seen. So Tasha calls it the mum effect. She also talks about the CEO disease, the tendency for people in powerful positions to be less self-aware. And it's because the overconfidence that results from past successes makes it challenging to hear feedback, and it makes it re- others reluctant to give it. Because of past successes, people don't want to give feedback. They think, oh, this person's successful. They're much more successful than me. I can't be telling them things that they've done wrong. I, I'm not going to give them any negative feedback. And when we don't get feedback, we don't get better. In fact, when we don't get feedback, we continue to make the same mistakes over and over. And when we don't get feedback, we are the poorer for it. There's another thing that she calls the ostrich trinity. The excuses we make up to avoid getting feedback. And here they are. I don't need to ask for it. I shouldn't ask for it. I don't want to ask for it. And so it's like the ostrich who sticks his head in the sand and says, I I don't need to ask for feedback. I'm doing just fine. I I shouldn't ask for it. And I, I, you know, the truth is, I just don't want to ask for it, and I'm not going to. And again, we are the worse off for not receiving feedback. What if a major league player, whether it was basketball, football, baseball, hockey, golf, whatever it is. What if a world-class player comes to his coach and says, hey, how's my, uh, now I'm trying to think of golf. I don't even know what the swings are called. Is there something called a backswing? I don't know. Front swing, putt swing. I don't know what they are. And my son's a golfer and he's a golf coach. Shows how much I know. But what what if a player didn't want any feedback from the coach? And he's paying his coach $120,000 a year, but he, he doesn't want to hear anything that's upsetting to him. He doesn't want to get corrected. He doesn't want to receive any feedback. That would be a pretty foolish player, right? Or if, again, a football player, a basketball player, an offensive coach or a defensive coach, one of the, one of the personal advisors to this world-class player comes and the player says, hey, you know, I, I, I'm just not making, I'm not completing my passes or I'm not getting on base or I'm not converting three-point shots or whatever it is. But, but don't tell me, don't tell me what I'm doing wrong. I can figure it out for myself. I, I don't need your feedback and I'm not going to ask for your feedback. I don't want your feedback. So pastor, let me ask you, are you world-class? Are you? Then tell me, tell me who's coaching you? Who are the coaches in your life that are giving you feedback? Who are the people in your life that are helping you to get better? Is anybody doing that? Are you open to anybody doing that? Have you set up a system so that people can do that? 
Feedback is such a necessary part of self-awareness. If we don't get feedback, we'll never grow in our self-awareness. It will never get any better. I think you get the point, Pastor. Feedback, I think uh, somebody once called it the breakfast of champions. And it is. So today your homework is, where am I going to get more and better feedback? In what areas of my life do I need the feedback? And who is it that's going to give me this feedback? What people in my life, what people on my team are the best set up to give me the feedback I need? And I'll be back to talk to you again tomorrow on the Coaching for Pastors podcast.